Hey everybody, the year is 1986 and John Carpenter is once again teaming with Kurt Russell to bring us a movie great of Big Trouble in Little China. This was always one of my favorites when I was younger and I am so happy to be talking about it tonight. With us tonight is Rich Knight, he is a freelance writer and a huge Big Trouble in Little China fan himself. So we hope you enjoy our conversation that we have tonight on the movie. And remember, when some wild-eyed, eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against a barroom wall and looks you crooked in the eye and asks you if you've paid your dues, but you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye and remember what old Jack Burton always said at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast, Retro Life for You. My name is Chris Adams, your favorite host of any 80s retro podcast out there. I know you all say it. I hear it. I feel it. I don't, you know, audibly hear it, but I feel it. I feel it just the same. This week, we have another special guest co-host with us, and today we have Rich Knight, a freelancer for Cinema Blend. Hello, Rich. Hello. Will uh, just step up here and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, man. Yeah, I mean, I write uh, articles every week for Cinema Blend. Uh, it ranges from '80s to '90s, especially the '90s. I love the '90s. Uh, you know, that's the period I'm really into. But uh, I do current stuff too. I'm writing about Shazam, the new one coming out, and uh, about the old Shazam as well. And I just love pop culture. It's a, just such a part of me. I, I absorb it. It's like osmosis. I love it. Any kind, you know, but action movies, superhero movies, horror movies, you name it. I love it. That's awesome. I, I say pop culture, too. My daughter just tells me I'm a big nerd. <laughs> I'll take yeah. it, though. Yeah, of, course. It. of course. Of course. Well, I was I was looking, as I was, I was telling Rich earlier, I was looking online uh, trying to find someone to discuss this week's topic with me. And I wanted to make sure I got somebody who was really going to be into it. And I thought, how am I going to do this? Am I going to just ask around to other podcast hosts and see if they found somebody, if they've had somebody before they can re- you know, refer me to? So I'm like, I'm just searching the movie, and I come across this article of his. He's talking about, I don't remember if it's the actual movie or if it was just 80s in general, but... It was Big Trouble in China. Any topic it talks about, was- I'll like it. Was it, was, it a top, was it a topic on Big Trouble in Little China? Yes, it was. I wrote a whole article right. about it. <laughs> Great. I thought, I, thought, I thought it was. Okay. Big Trouble in Little China. And he talks about his love for this movie and how many times he's watched it. And just from reading his article, I mean, I could feel it. I said, this is the guy I want for the show. I got to see if I can't get him for this. And reached out to him. And sure enough, he was you know nice enough to come on with us this week. And I really do, once again, Rich, appreciate you coming on. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. But can you believe... This movie only made eleven million dollars at the box office. I believe it. John Carpenter believes it. I mean, he knew. <laughs> oh, he became a hard believer. He oh, yeah. a hard way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the hard way indeed. I mean, he knew. Uh, he, he's always talking about people are always saying, oh, you know, are we going to bring back Big Trouble in China? He goes, no, <laughs> it bombed. <laughs> it bombed. I'm not going to bring that back. And I, I'm actually very glad we're not hearing those rumors anymore. Uh, Me that too. The Rock wants to reboot it because no no yeah, I, I like I the rock, rock. Yeah, I, love I love the rock, rock. man well, come on leave some things alone man come no, on Dwayne yeah. take your Shazam or I'm sorry not Shazam um Black, uh, Black Adam, Adam. take yep. Black Adam and run with it man go a different route leave the 80s alone <laughs> leave them alone it's some movie you, know you don't want to see redone you know Absolutely true. And you know what? I don't know if I would say leave him completely alone in the 80s. Uh, I can't really think right now any movies I could see him in, uh, but definitely not Big Trouble Low China. Like, do yeah. not touch it. When they, yeah. um, when, when they remade um, um, Total Recall with Colin mm-hmm. Farrell, it was soulless. It was awful. It, it was just missing mm-hmm. all the great elements of the original movie. So, like, please, yes. if you're going to make remake something like do it with heart do it with passion it was fire there's been some movies that i've said that i feel like are in my no touch zone mm-hmm. um obviously big trouble in china is one of them mm-hmm. the last dragon is another one 
Good one. I don't think anybody would want to remake The Last Dragon because of the story behind it. They'd probably yeah. tweak the story to something more modern or something. But yeah. I hope they don't touch it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anybody redoing the Goonies. Okay. Right. Uh, now, now, if they want to talk about extenuating the uh, extenuating, extending, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. the Goonies, mm-hmm. and bringing the original cast back that they can as much as they can, and maybe having it being about their kids taking an adventure in Astoria. Like, let's say they don't live there, but they've all come back together, and boom, there they go, their kids. They all make good friends with each other, or they've known each other already, and they take an adventure like their parents did. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can get into it. I don't know. But I mean, still. Big Chrome with Old China, though, don't touch. So much about it that was great. Uh, for the you know, like like for the fans who loved it, maybe not for the critics, but I don't care what the critics <laughs> like and what they don't because uh, these are the people who say the piano and uh, Le Chocolat or something like that, or I, I don't know Schindler's List and all these things are the greatest things of all time. And I've got no interest in any of them. They're just they don't do it for me. Well, you know but what. Here's what I'll say. Like I, I love all. I love everything. Like I love Schindler's List. I love Chocolat, or I think that's what you said. I love, but I also love <laughs> Chocolat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love all those things. I love Kurosawa films, but again, Big Trouble in Little China for me is it just you know a lot of people say Big Trouble in Little China is a good bad movie, and I'm like, no, it's a good movie. <laughs> You know, like, yeah. Troll 2 is a good, bad movie. You know, The Room is a good, bad movie. Like, those are good, bad, Batman and Robin, a good, bad movie. They're bad. But Big Troll Low China, I think, like, is not a bad movie. It's schlocky. It's camp. But, I mean, camp is great. I, I think camp definitely fits in. I mean, it's like a, it's a genre of its own. And this is just such an amalgamation of so many different genres, like thrown together, it's a comedy, it's a kung fu film, it's fantasy, it's you know, I mean, people love to talk about how Star Wars is this amalgamation of westerns and samurai films, but Big Trouble in China, it's no Star Wars, but I think again, it's it's something that is genuinely good and not just a good bad movie. Right, and you know the original screenplay for this was written by Gary Goldman and David mm-hmm. David Z. Weinstein or Weinstein or mm-hmm. how he pronounces it. Uh, it was envisioned as a western. Yeah, in the eighteen yeah, eighties. Yep, get a horse instead uh, of his truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now they went. And they brought in somebody else to help retweak everything. Uh, w. D. Richter to rewrite and make it a little bit different. And then they come up with this, and then Carpenter rushed to get it out before Golden Child came out the year because it was a similar style of movie. Mm-hmm. He wanted to get in there and beat that to the box office. And I guess in his haste in doing it, they grossed $11.1 million in North America, <laughs> below its estimated 19 to $25 billion budget. Oh, now, if that's what it... Now, I wonder... I can check real quick here to see. Oh, yes. That's that's not just um, U.S. That's U.S. and Canada. And oh, worldwide. boy. <laughs> worldwide gross. $11,177. Oh, oh. I can see how Carpenter doesn't want to touch it again. I, I can see that. Right. Well, that's true. But, I mean, The Wizard of Oz didn't do great when it first came out. It's a Wonderful Life didn't do great when it first came out. I mean, it's Big Trouble of China has evolved so much. It's it's First, it was a cult classic at first. I think it's bigger than a cult classic now because I think so many people know about it outside of the people who have seen it. So I don't even consider it a cult classic anymore. Um, right. Uh. I don't know if this is true or not, because I've heard this story many times, but I, I'm told that Big Trouble China is like a spiritual successor to Buckarai, uh, Buckaroo Banzai, and mm-hmm. that is a cult film. That is very right. much a cult film. Yes. But Yes, I, de- I remember that one as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And this movie had some good names in it. I mean, some great names. I mean, Kurt Russell and Kim Cattrall themselves. Kim mm-hmm. Cattrall hadn't quite reached that level that she achieved at that point. I believe uh, she'd been in Police Academy. Yep. Um, and I don't know a whole lot about her before that other than Mannequin. Mm-hmm. Obviously Mannequin. But Kurt Russell, Dennis Dunn, James Hong, and James Hong. Wong. James Hong and Victor Wong have been in a lot of stuff. You know, it's insane that you don't, you don't think about it because they're not the star of it. Right. But those two guys have been in a lot of great stuff we've watched over the years. 
They're in the Golden Child together. Yes, no. Yeah, that's another thing. I was going to bring that up. That's another thing. The movie they were trying to beat to the box office. They are in that movie as well. <laughs> so they're playing both sides. You can't make this up. You really can't make this up. It's the best. You know? Now the rest of the people, you know, from the movie, I can't say that I've seen. And a lot of other things, except for Jeff Amata. And Jeff Amata, he's uh, been a stunt man, a fight choreographer. He's had uh, roles like he played in this one, where he's a gang member or some kind of a fight scene of some sort, where he's mm-hmm. the main bad, you know, one of the hood bad guys or something. Right. You know, I mean, but nobody else I really recognize from anything else I've watched over the years. Or and if they were, I just can't place them there. Mm-hmm. You're bas- you're right. I mean, uh, you know, I, I haven't gone exploring to see their other work, but uh, those are the ones. Yeah, Kim Cattrall, James Hong, and Kurt Russell basically are the ones who, the big, big names of this film. And, um, yes. you know. I, I thought about testing you at first. I thought about testing you. <laughs> you were I was I was going to read this little this little bit off to you. I didn't I didn't get it to you know, copy it or anything to write it down or you know get it on the computer. So I can't do it now. And I, I can't quote it word for word. But I was going to read it out to you and see if you could finish the sentence because it's an ever popular line. Okay, try it. Well, it's, it's one of his popular lines anyway that he has from the movie. Okay, try it. You know, I had something along the lines of um, you know uh, when some eight foot guy comes up around the corner at a bar and. Pulls you around and threatens to whip you and everything. And he looks at you and says, you know, hey, Jack Burton, have you paid your dues? The check is in the mail. The check is in the mail. Yes, <laughs> sir. The check is in the mail. <laughs> to this so, day, though, to this day, if I do something snazzy where I catch something that someone didn't expect me to catch or something, oh, I would tell them it's all in the reflexes. All the reflexes. All, all the reflexes. reflexes. <laughs> you can't help it. It's, it's, it's so much fun stuff to quote from it. There's so many. Um, I mean, I always go, you know, I always, because <laughs> most people I know, my friends all know, but like other people, they'll say something and like, if I, I am in agreement, I'm like, indeed. And they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, why did you do it like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the movie itself, but I, I'm not, we're going to go back when it first came out and thoughts mm-hmm. on it again, because I mean, look, I don't know about you. I'm 49 pushing 50. I can't tell you what I watched exactly in the 80s and what I thought about it then. But I can tell you what I think about it now. So go ahead and just give me a rundown of the movie from the you know, start to beginning where he's in the truck. I mean, the way his actions are, he's real confident about himself, you know. It's all it's like he knows the world revolves around him or something. Give me your take on the character of Jack Burton. I mean, the reason why... Big Trouble in Little China works so much is because, again, the hero is really the sidekick. But he doesn't know that. He has no clue <laughs> whatsoever that he is not the hero. You know, like that great scene when uh, <laughs> when Jack shoots somebody. Uh, for, and you can tell us for the very first time because you can see the expression on his face. And then, you know, and he's like, he's like, is that your first time plugging somebody? He goes, of course not. <laughs> like you can tell, you know, he he shoots the ceiling and it falls on his head during the big climactic scene, and like it's so great because, you know, like with like um, Green Hornet with Cato, like Cato is really, you know, the star of everything, right? Right, right. But the thing is, even though Jack Burton is not the the hero, he always thinks he is. <laughs> and what's cool is that he does kill Lopan. I mean, he does. Like, it's all in the reflexes. He all is the reflexes. one who does it. Right. He's the one who does it. But, you know, Kurt Russell uh, is just such a versatile actor, you know, to go from uh, The Thing and uh, to go to Escape from New York as Snake Plissken and to do, like, these really macho, tough roles and bring that to Big Trouble Little China, which is a comedy. And he, st- he still has that charisma, that machismo, even though the whole audience knows you're not the hero. <laughs> you know, you you think you're the hero. And, you know, it's it, that's why it's so great. That's why he's such I, a great character. I love the part where he's telling everybody, you know, okay, I'm going to open this door, and I'm going to count to three, I'm going to open this door, yeah. and I'm going to back. He goes, hey, ready? One, two, three, opens the door, and they're all looking at him. He shuts the door and goes, there, there might be some trouble. Yeah, people. Go hide, go hide. They only see me. Go hide. So of course, (laughs) Wayne stays behind with him. 
Wayne Chief stays behind her and he says, we fight together, Jack. And so Wayne takes off with a flying kick across the room, takes the first guy out, fights the second guy, takes him out quick. Jack goes down and reaches for his knife and looks like he's pulling it out. <laughs> I know. He slings it like 15 feet off to the right. Yeah. <laughs> and then by the time he comes back after getting in, jumps out and goes, ha! Turn all, turn all down. You know. When he's like, got it. Thanks anyway, buddy. So. But yeah, he's he's so over the I won't say over the top with it, but I mean he's he really he really buys into himself. Right. Jack Burton, he 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 knows he is the stuff, and he don't mind letting you know it. <laughs> and he's very confident of that. I mean, anything from talking on the CB to whoever will listen to him, to playing at the Mahjong table, to <laughs> whatever he's doing. All right, he's the man. It's it's really great too because even like you know again again eventually he gets the girl but he doesn't you know they they part ways but even in the beginning she's like uh, you know it's Miller type because he smells like alcohol like even then he's trying to hit on Kim Control's character you know, even she's putting him down <laughs> you should be where I'm at right now it's looking like Miller time yeah, it's Miller time yeah. <laughs> so it's so good I mean and, and that scene right there also has the has what I like about the movie with the slight humor. Okay, and what I mean by the slight humor is he's looking at her after she says that. He looks back at Wayne, and before he can turn her back, she steps away and looks at the older Chinese lady smiling at him. And he looks his head back real quick, looks back again, and Wayne is over there laughing. He's like, laughing at him <laughs> yeah, because it's like it's, it's awkward for him. He's like, you know, he just got he just got showed. He just showed um, yet. Little stuff like that, the little slight humor to it. How people can't find that funny is beyond me. It's just some little things, you know. You know, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Like uh, when I, I saw it, you know, when I first saw the movie, I was like I said, a kid. But when I saw it originally, I was scared of this film. Like I didn't think it was a comedy. <laughs> you know, was it the little monster in it that got her to got you? Yeah, that's what's scary for me. I could think of was that. Well, like low pan shooting light from his eyes and his mouth, and like oh, yeah, you know, yeah, the watcher with the eyeball and stuff like that. All that stuff, like that's what left the biggest impression on me when I was a kid. And then when I watch it again as an adult, I'm like, this is a comedy. <laughs> this is not a you know, this is not serious at all. But you know, I think that people who think back to the movie, if you haven't rewatched it, I think like. You think of all those schlocky things, but you don't really see the nuances of the comedy. You don't see those small, slight humor like you're talking about. I think that's all missed, you know? So that's why the true fans love the film. We, we adore oh, yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I can't... I mean, there's not even a way I could see them continuing a storyline. <laughs> Although, at the end of the movie, to jump ahead a little bit, and then we'll, we'll bounce back, of course, but uh, saying continuance of the movie... They leave it open to where you think there might be a continuance because that little beast thing, wherever it was, that had taken Gracie Law and taken her... Gracie Law? Yes, Gracie Law. Gracie Law. And took her down uh, to be uh, held for a little hand to see. That thing pops up from the back of his truck. Yeah, it's there. Uh, as, he's, as he's talking on the radio about things he's seen and all this other stuff and all of a sudden that thing pops up. <laughs> and then goes off to the to straight to the credits. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it does it does seem like it is leading up to a sequel. Uh yeah, and there, there have been follow ups to it. Like uh I actually bought uh I know some people can see it, but I bought Big Trouble in Little China. It's called Big Trouble in Mother Russia. It's a book of Big Trouble in Little China. Oh uh, follow up. You know, and there there are comics as well that follow up, but none of them have the same humor as the movie. They try way too hard uh, to cap. You can't capture that lightning in a bottle. You can't. Right. You know. So. And that was a book you showed me, or yeah, yeah. It's a uh, big trouble that, in Mother Russia. Yeah. I have never heard of that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's okay. I mean, it's it's fine. It's not the best, but it's not again. What is Big Trouble in China? You you really can't recapture that. I mean, it's still awesome to know, though. Big Trouble in Little China, though, I mean, you've got all aspects of what you can want in a movie. you got comedy, you got action, you got martial arts, you got magic and sorcery, so you got sci-fi. Mm -hmm. you got a little bit of everything in one bundle that you can appreciate. And, and, and Kurt Russell does do comedy well. 
I mean, he's not he's not a Chris Farley. He's not an Eddie yeah. Murphy. You know, right? He doesn't do like the slapstick or the the clumsy type comedy. Uh, he's not real witty and come back with something just like that off the top of his head fast or something. But he does play the comedic roles well. His timing is good. Even in an action movie like Tango and Cash with the little one-liners. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, he's got that touch for that. So, Overboard was a great movie with him in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you, you mentioned earlier. Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, Escape from New York? Or? No, no, well, Escape from New York was great. Escape from L.A., Escape from New York, both those were Snake Plissken. Um, did you mention the the football movie? Uh, was it Best of Times he was in? Oh, I didn't. I didn't mention that. No, but it, no, that's not the movie though. Uh, I I have it in my head too, but I can't think of it. Um, you know, it's a shame. We just said this like a few minutes ago. We could <laughs> we're gonna go back and rewind this later and look just to see and go ah. <laughs> but, but still, the, the whole point is though is his is his comedic timing and how great he does things. Even you know it's. It, it, it's funny because, like, even in something like Tombstone, which is like a you know a serious movie, like he mm-hmm. brings that you know kind of wink and nod even to that role. You know that yeah. anything he's in, there's that element to Kurt Russell. That's why he's such a fascinating character actor. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and you don't know whether to laugh or whether to be in awe with what he says in that movie in Tombstone when he's talking to uh, Billy Bob Thornton's character. You know, you're going to skin that thing, you're going to sit there and bleed. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, that's pretty cool. It is cool. It's kind of funny, too, kind of funny too but it's not really ha-ha funny. Right. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's just the little things like that. Like we said earlier, it's always the little things, and he's great at that. Mm-hmm. Very good at that. So, um, the movie, you know, kind of falling back to where we were earlier, he's got the, the movie starting out, he's driving the truck down the road, talking to anybody on the, on the CB who will listen to him. Mm-hmm. Shows him pulling up into Chinatown. Uh, of course, you, you never know, we don't know what he's hauling or anything, you never really get right. around to that. You see him having his party at the Mijon table with Wang and mm-hmm. his other playing with and all. That's <laughs> all this money. Wang thinks he's going to cut the bottle in half is where we first get the that's right. First, get to saying it's all on the reflexes, you know. The reflexes, yep. Where the bottle doesn't doesn't slice in half and flies at his face. Uh, <laughs> to see them get past the airport scene and go to the alleyway, they're determined they're going to get her back and they're going to take care of business. And you see this little thing coming at him. He's like, "Hey, these people you call them, and I didn't forget the names of the, of the gangs. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I just watched it an hour ago. These yellow turbans. He says the chain scenes. He goes." No, he says the wing dings. He's wing like, dings, yeah, <laughs> the wing dings. He's like, no, chain sings. He goes, they get enemies. The wing Kong, who wear red <laughs> turbans. He's like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> you see these guys pop up, come circling around the truck. They could care less about the two in the truck. They right, want the ones course. in front of them out there. So they're they're ignoring them and moving on, right? Yeah. But the fight in the alleyway. If you were a fan as a kid or even as an adult of watching good fight choreography, mm-hmm. it was fun to watch. They had some oh, good yeah. fight stuff going on there. And I'm sure Jeff Amata had a hand in all that as well, because that's what one of the things he does best, you know, is fight choreography. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it um, come down to it, and then the three storms appear, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, now, yeah. Now we're, now we're getting down to it. This green cloud comes out, a green misty cloud of some sort. And you see the first guy come flipping out of it or flying out of it. <laughs> Then you got rain. Yep. That was thunder. Then you got rain. Then you got lightning. Of the, of the three that when they, they came out, who do you think made the most impactful uh, entrance of the three? Well, you know, <laughs> this is... Because they're, they're all trying to look bad when they come out, yeah. you know. Well, th- this is how I knew... Okay, so when I watched it later as an adult, this is this is the scene I knew this was a comedy. Because, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. because rain... Pops out with like back scratchers. Yes. Little <laughs> back scratchers, and the other guy falls with these little spinning helicopter blades on his hand. Like, what's he gonna do? He's gonna hold him up and fly away or something? Or... And then they show like this extreme close up of like a funny face he's making, and I said, "What is this? I was scared of this." So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the best is is definitely out of the the three. I mean, Thunder is the one who has the most personality. You know, he's the one yes. who's, I guess, the leader. He's like, we want to do, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, he, he's a leader. He shows up first. He, he's he got his little, 
intro bit. You know, it's like like a professional wrestler coming to the <laughs> ring. There's no background music, but he's doing his little moves and letting his yells and his scream. And then the other one comes out for the lightning and I'm sorry, the the, the rain and rain. he's just slinging his cloak around and kicking his leg around. <laughs> Uh, and then lightning comes, you know, down comes straight down, down from yeah. the sky. And yeah. the first thing you're thinking is Lord Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's what you're thinking when you see it. Uh, it. Then they pull out the weapons. And then once again, Thunder Thunder wins with the weapons. He's got these two yeah. cool knife yeah. things with the, the, the circle blade and then the blade at the top. Yeah. And the way he presents them. <laughs> and then here, here comes the goofball dancer with his long back scratchers. What that was supposed to do is beyond me. And like I said, the other guy lighting with the, the torting blades. Is he going to like push up to a face like that and a, you know, slice your face off with it? What's it supposed to do? Does it deflect bullets? Don't matter the bulletproof, obviously. I have no idea. Yeah, oh, they're just adding there. Yeah, they're shooting out of yeah, it. Just I mean, <laughs> so that, that always blew my mind when it came to that. And you know, that was just for effect and for looks and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I. And then he, they, they take off. Wayne's like, we, we ain't sneaking around for this. Just take off. Just drive. Yeah, just get drive. Out of here, Jack. Get out of here, Jack. You know, he, he's driving through the big eight-foot-tall. <laughs> all, right, all right, once again, back to Mortal Kombat. Jane Sung. In the first movie. I'm, I'm sorry, in the first video game at the end. Yep. He looks yep. like Shane Sung. Exactly. Uh, and, and I don't remember which which came out first. Oh, no, no, no. Big Trouble. No, Big Trouble came out first, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking 1945. It's like 1991, 92, somewhere yeah. when Mortal Kombat yeah. came out. Yep. So definitely, definitely that came yeah. out. But oh, it, yeah. So it's like they base it off of this, it looks like. It's, it's like if you look at the game, I don't want to get too far off topic for a second, but you go, let's just even mention those two. And you look at some of the others, you got Sonya Blade, it looks like Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah. Yeah. And you've ever seen some of her stuff. I mean, that's a spitting image of her. And I wondered if any of these people ever got any compensation for this. Okay. Um, well, okay. the Luke Kane character was just like Philip Reed from mm -hmm. Best of the Best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, like, and and Johnny Cage was supposed to be Jean Claude Van Damme. I mean, that was a direct reference. They wanted Jean Claude Van Damme for for Johnny yeah. Cage. So, well, you know, it's funny, and you know, I know we're a little off topic. I don't think we're that off topic. I mean, again, no, more not really. Is, is definitely written. I mean, off a big I mean, it is definitely, yeah, but. My my daughter's name is actually Raiden from Mortal Kombat, and my daughter my daughter's middle name is actually Gracie for Gracie Law. <laughs> so that's oh, see, that's cool. That's cool. So, I mean, I, that's that's how much I love Big Trouble in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I'm that that big a fan. Oh, I can combine the two. Yeah, Big Trouble yeah. in Mortal Kombat. Yep, great Raiden Gracie. You have Jack Russell on oh, Jack Russell. <laughs> that's a that's a. Werewolf by Night, but I do love Moon Knight. I'll tell you what, <laughs> they can. I just called him by both characters. It's I like, know. <laughs> uh, what am I? Jack Russell. Oh, well, you might... a I, I need a drink of tea or something. Hold on. <laughs> I'm a... I, so I Kurt Russell. Mm -hmm. Bring Kurt Russell in. He can make his hit, his character there. We can bring Wayne Chi to be his partner. They can be a duo, <laughs> and Wayne Chi does all the fighting while the other one does comedic stuff. And then they, they can fight with the others. There you go. But again, the, the cool thing about Big Trouble of China, you know, we're, we're at a good part in the movie, is that like every single actor, even like Eddie Lee, you know, and I, because I've seen this movie so many times, that like Eddie Lee has some great lines too. Uh, you know, his comic timing is great. I feel like, you know, uh, of course, uh, you know, even, even Margot, even like, you know, all of the characters I feel are memorable, every single one of them. And it's not just like, you know, Kurt Russell steals the show. I feel like every time one of them has a moment, they steal the show in any scene they're in. I, it's never boring. It's never a boring film. Um, and that's why, like, you know, some of my favorite parts are like, you know, we're, you know, with the rain or, or thunder or lightning, because lightning does not talk throughout the entire film. He does not say a single word. <laughs> right, not one. Not one. Rain says, you are nowhere. You know, and stuff like that. <laughs> like, it still brings such personality, like when he's flinging the swords around, but we'll get to that. But, but then you got, you know, Thunder the one talking who, who can speak English, you know, the least. Yes, yes. <laughs> but 
Like, give us some blood. Some colors at least. I mean, I, mean, I don't know how, how well lightning spoke. He right. didn't speak. But, but at least Rain spoke, you know, better English. Right, yeah, but they gave he, the he most lines. He was for the group or something. Yeah, they gave Thunder the most lines, which is great. It, it's, it's, you know, speaking of, you know, these particular characters, the, the Storms and, uh, you know, Jack and Wang Chi. Jackie, did you know Jackie Chan was Carpenter's first choice to play Wang Chi? That I didn't know. I had no no way he was getting uh, Jackie Chan. Uh-uh. <laughs> it says, I, I, I got some little, you know, on IMDb into their little fun trivia stuff about mm-hmm. the movie. Uh, Jackie Chan was John Carpenter's first choice to play Wang Chi, but producer Lawrence Gordon was highly against it, fearing Chan's English wasn't good enough after seeing his performance in Battle Creek Brawl and The Protector. Oh. But Carpenter wanted Chan after the success of Police Story. Yeah. Chan declined, and Dennis Dunn was cast instead. All right, so the whole point of this little bit of trivia is that he didn't cast him because of his English, but he was okay putting the guy playing Thunder. And letting him talk. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to, you know, Wang has a lot of lines. I mean, he's, he's speaking throughout the whole entire film. So, like, I don't know. I think Jackie Chan, I, I can't see Jackie Chan in that role. Um, I think because, you know, Wang is, is great, but I feel like if Jackie Chan was in it, it would become more of like a stunt show. You know, I think it'd be, yeah. you know, because I love Jackie Chan. I mean, again, but I, I feel like that would be more of the focus than the story that we got. So I, I'm very glad we did not. I didn't know that. I actually never heard that before. That I had not until just today when I saw it earlier. I was like, that's a good one to bring up right there. I did not yeah. know that. I mean, I've, I've heard others in the past, like Tom Selleck turning down Indiana Jones. Right. And- oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not wanting Eddie Murphy for Beverly Hills Cop. I think it was offered just alone first, but he said it's not his kind of film. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and then later on, he took that storyline. Uh, Stallone kind of rewrote Beverly Hills Cop for him to where it would fit him, and they mm-hmm. didn't want to go that route. So he, that, of course, since I guess since he wrote it, he took that, and that's what became Cobra. Really? Yeah, funny oh, enough. Cobra so, is Interesting film. That's an interesting. Yeah, film. It's, a, it's a monster of its own right there, isn't it? <laughs> wow. uh, uh, Kim Cattrall and Kurt Russell had a really good, uh, oh, great chemistry. You know, staying together, chemistry together. I thought that was they, they, they did real well. Oh, excellent! It's, yeah. like, it's like they were natural, like they were each other, like they, they knew each other for years or something. Yeah, it, it really, uh, you know, and and again, Gracie Law is an excellent character. I mean, I, you know, on her own right, she's a great character. Uh, you know, a lot of times I judge characters by like if they were in their own movie, like if you know, like kind of like Better Call Saul. They got their own thing. Could they survive in their own film? And I think Gracie Law could be in her own film if there was ever one made. You know, I think she's really great, Kim Cattrall, in that character. Yes, yes. Now, I always wondered why they started out the way they did. Mm. Movie. I mean, you know, I I thought they could have just opened up. With you know Jack Burton yeah. going down the road in the Pork Chop Express, talking yeah. on that CB, they could stretch that out over five, six minutes, different stories of him talking, and then letting credits roll in the front, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But the first scene of the movie, yeah, Egg Shen, it's not him doing it; it's, it's, it's Egg Shen. Yeah, Egg Shen, sure. yep. you so, leave Jack Burton alone. Yes, <laughs> yeah. we owe him a huge debt. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they said, um, <laughs> according to Carpenter, the opening of the film with Egg Shin and the lawyer's office was added in at the request of 20th Century Fox executives. Really? In order to, yeah, because in order, it said, in order to make Kurt Russell's character, Jack Burton, more heroic, mm. they didn't get the idea of Jack being a sidekick rather than a hero. <laughs> Without the added scene, the film would have started with Jack driving to San Francisco. Right. Which... I think they could have got away with that just fine. That would have been an interesting start to it. Him telling his little stories like he was and mm-hmm. stopping for Katie of the credits to roll through and everything while you hear him in the background talking. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying adding the scene was a terrible move either. It, it was mm-hmm. nice. It was okay. It's, it's kind of a pretty what we're going to see. They go back in time to see to show you what happened while they're in the lawyer's office right now. But I just don't know if it was necessary though. You know, that's really interesting. I, I'm usually adamantly against studio intervention. I'm like, all right, just leave it alone. Like, you know, you put, but I mean, thinking about that scene, I, for the reasons they said that, like, it makes Jack sound a lot more heroic, I agree. <laughs> I actually agree. 
that from another character's perspective, saying like how you know he did such great things, and this magician, he's showing magic, is talking so highly of Jack Burton. Wow, I think that's one. You know, I agree that they could have started just in the Pork Chop Express, but I really think that that scene does add a lot to the film. Um, I didn't know that. That's you're really giving me a lot of stuff I didn't know. <laughs> I guess I didn't. Yeah, I tell you, mentioning the Pork Chop Express, I I like to collect. I see you had the uh, yes the pop or the world, yeah yeah the, the pop vinyl. I I like to collect the vehicles, the cars, and such. Oh, cool, cool. Some of the stuff. So like I've got you can't really make it out too well behind me on that shelf because all you can really make out is the flash, probably in the mm-hmm. maybe the mystery machine. I don't know. Yeah, mystery machine. Actually, so, yeah. Like I see, I got the mystery machine. I've got the the smoking the bandit car up there. Nice. I've got the, the Impala from Supernatural. Nice. Got like the original Batmobile, the Christine car, the DeLorean, the 18 van, the Fall Guy truck, uh, Knight Rider and his not not just kit, but the opposition of car. I would love to the Pork Chop Express. Right. Oh, that'd be- I, need to, I need to put that out. I mean, I wish I wish they would continue that trend when I was buying these back here. Oh, the only one I didn't get at the time was Ecto One they had out, and I missed mm. out on mm-hmm. uh, I wish they would continue that trend. And take vehicles from the movies and the TV shows, and put those out for people who might collect stuff like that. Because you can get like the the motorcycles from Chips or something, yeah. or of course there's Magnum's Ferrari. It's always been available, or yeah. the, the 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 Lambo from Miami Vice. Uh, things again, but the Poor Chop Express would have to be. It would go right up there next to my Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little. I got the the, the diecast version of Optimus Prime up there. It go right next to that perfectly. <laughs> I bet you. I bet you it's out there, but it's so obscure probably that it's worth like hundreds or thousands of dollars. Like I bought, I went to a Comic Con and I bought the, I don't buy vehicles, so you have a lot, you, that's your thing. But I bought, uh, I'm looking at it right now, the Hot Wheels, the Homer from The Simpsons, Homer's car. Mm-hmm. Like I bought yeah. it, but it cost me, it cost me 50 bucks for it, but I, I had to have it. I had to have the Homer, so I bought it, but I bet you it's out there somewhere. I am going to look. <laughs> eventually, eventually, I'm going to get some more. I mean, it's it's this only this is something I can do here and there. I can't do it all the time, right? Of course. So, but you know, the next ones I look for is going to be something more, um, more out of the way. And mm-hmm. uh, a, a friend of mine on Instagram shows off his stuff a lot, and he's got the rig from uh, BJ and the Bear. Oh, nice. Nice, so nice, he's got. Nice. I'm sitting thinking of having the Pork Chop Express, the rig from BJ and the Bear, maybe the rig from Smokey the Bandit that Jerry Reed drove. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah, there's. I, I'd run out of room in my room eventually. I'd have nothing but cars. I couldn't walk through it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, did you know? Did you know the last? This was the last studio film that John Carpenter worked on at the end of the 1980s. Due to the various problems he experienced during the production of the film, when the studio head, Lawrence Gordon, who constantly interfered with the film up until its release date, Carpenter's two follow-ups were Prince of Darkness in 87 yeah. mm-hmm. and They Live in 88. Mm-hmm. But they were made independently via live films without any studio interference and distributed by Universal Pictures. Wow, I had no idea. I mean, it's, a, it's like, he's like, you know, you're not messing with my stuff anymore. You know, <laughs> This is this is my baby. This is my project. I don't need your input. Take a hike. You know, it, and it's really interesting because I was I was on a big carpenter kick maybe uh, two or three months ago where I was trying to go through every single film he's done, uh, like Dark Star. I went through pretty much all of them, um, and it's just interesting because you can tell, you know, he loves you know Halloween is his baby. That one is his baby. Uh, yeah. Again, Escape from New York, his baby. I think he's come to love the thing. Uh, but like other ones, like a, like Assault on Precinct Thirteen and Big Trouble Little China, and you know Heart of Dark, like certain films, I feel like the fans love them a lot more than he does. Like I, I don't think he loves Big Trouble Little China. Again, when when asked, right, if they want to reboot the movie, he's like, yeah, go ahead, give me money. <laughs> he doesn't care. He just wants the money. I don't think Big Trouble it means as much to him. It definitely doesn't mean as much to him as it does to me. I mean, I love it so much that, like, you know, you know, I think that he, you know, he's moved on quite substantially. But, you know, that's really interesting, though. I didn't know that, that trivia. And, and They Live, oh, what a good movie that one is. 
Yeah, he is coming to chew bubblegum. <laughs> All out of bubblegum. Yeah. Um, two things with um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm noticing here on Kurt Russell based characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Burton, they're saying, is based on John Wayne. Mm, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Escape from New York, he based Snake Plissken on Clint Eastwood. Yeah, no, I, I did hear that one. I definitely knew John Wayne was the inspiration for that, which is why it's so comical. Because <laughs> John Wayne would never be seen dead in a movie like Big Trouble Little China. That's so much farce. Though he was in The Conqueror, and it's Genghis Khan, which is pretty terrible. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and I wonder, I can't help but wonder, these are, these are some of the questions that people tell me, like, don't ask these questions because you're just going to just sit there and think about it and never get a real answer out of it, right? Okay. But... Kurt Russell turned down the lead role of Connor McLeod in Highlander to do this movie. I'm thankful that he did. But for his career, hmm. could he, if he had played Connor McLeod, or the clan McLeod, <laughs> and uh, was the Highlander, would uh, do you think that would have done better for him than the $11 million they made in Big Trouble in Little China? Would it have really adjusted his career any better? I think the best thing to say is like, look at Christopher Lambert. Like, what what did it do for him? I mean, first of all, uh, Highlander to the Quickening is such a disaster. <laughs> like, I don't think it would have really changed uh, Kurt Russell's trajectory of his career if he had picked that. I mean, I think it's definitely a better move for Kurt Russell. It's definitely a more interesting film in his filmography. Mm-hmm. Uh, big trouble than than uh, the Highlander, but I don't know. It's really interesting, Highlander. As a franchise, which I also love, <laughs> I've written about Highlander too. Um, it's a it's a pretty crappy series overall, <laughs> even though I love it. And I don't think I was I was not a fan of Highlander too much. I mean, I like it, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna tell you, the only Highlander that did anything for me was the TV series. Yeah, I mean the TV series is awesome, and that's not you know I mean even though Christopher Lambert appears in like one or two episodes, like that's mm-hmm. a different uh, person. You know, that's not the mm-hmm. same. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. But uh, the black-haired guy. What, the character or the guy's name? No, the guy's name. The uh, Adrian Paul, I think. Adrian Paul. Adrian Paul. Like, he was in, um, he's in Highlander 5, The Source, 4, uh, 3. So, they again, like. the characters together. The Duncan yeah, McLeod and Connor McLeod. Right, Duncan McLeod and Connor McLeod in uh, 4. Uh, I think it's 4. But, uh, yeah, I mean, really, a lot of people associate Highlander m- more with Adrian Paul because of the TV series. So I, right. I really don't know if Kurt Russell would have been better off doing Highlander. I mean, he did Stargate, so I mean, so he. Did, well, and, and I like Stargate. Stargate enough. I mean, it's. Um, I didn't like the series. I like right. the movie. Yeah, the movie's like, great. It's just, yeah. it's just opposite for me on that. Yep. <laughs> um, Patrick Laberto, I had him on the show uh, about a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not familiar with the name, mm-hmm. he did uh, summer school, ski school. He was in Heather's. He was in oh, Little House okay. in the Prairie. Um, he's in uh, the Three Ninjas. Is one of the goofy thugs who's trying to kidnap the kids. <laughs> uh, really good guy. Really yeah. good guy. Funny. Good actor. Uh, he's the one that told me. Um, I brought it up to him. Uh, he was talking about some of the roles he had tried out for. And I said, do you think it would have changed the path of your career hmm. if you had gotten, say, Adventures in Babysitting? Or hmm. No, not more than Adventures in Babysitting. I'm sorry. It was um, Stand By Me. Stand By. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and uh, he said, uh, he, well, he, no, you know what? I'm sorry. That was Keith Coogan. Um, uh, the movie itself, he didn't, that he didn't get that he wanted uh, was in Goonies. He was uh, going for the role of Mouth that okay. Corey Feldman got. Yeah. Uh, okay. But he said, you know, Corey Feldman did such a great job of it. It just the personality was him all around. It, it right. fit him perfectly. He said, "If I'd gotten it, I don't think it would have propelled my career any further than what it went." Because producers are looking for a certain thing when you go there, and directors both when they look when you're auditioning, they're looking for a certain thing. Yeah. So just because I did Goonies, he said, wouldn't have meant that it wouldn't have meant that he would have gotten something else big that Feldman got into. It's true. Um, doesn't make a difference. He goes, so really and truly, you can't really ask that question. Would it change your 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 life? Would it change your career? Because you never know what someone's looking for, and it just doesn't make that much of a difference. But I always ask that question anyway, because I, I like getting people's responses out of it. Some people will tell you they, they, they wholeheartedly think 
if uh, Tom Selleck had taken the role like of Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. that Indiana Jones wouldn't have been nowhere near as good. I and it would have flopped or something. Not necessarily flopped, but it wouldn't have been near as good when right. Harrison Ford made it to be. I I mean I thinking about because I've thought about that too. I, I really think because Harrison Ford makes that role, that character. I mean that character in someone else's hands could, you know, it's like a standard action star. But the way he looks, the way he sounds, the way he acts, I mean, I think it's all just a culmination of, of everything. He is Indiana Jones, right? He, <laughs> Indy was a dog's name, but he is that character, you know? So I, I really don't think anyone else, you know, could have taken the role and done what he did. Just like, you know, Johnny Depp as uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, right? Who else? You yes. Put anyone else in that role. Like, it's, it's, it's just a standard pirate with the same lines, right? He, right. he created that character, you know? So, you know. Now, Han Solo, if someone else was Han Solo, I don't know. Maybe if someone else were Han Solo. I mean, again, he's great in that role, but I think someone else could take that role, given that he's not, like, the, the main, main character. But not Indiana Jones. Oh, and, I don't, and I'm not even sure about that as far as, as far as fans go, at least now, anyway. Back then, it would be different because it would have been unknown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But what we know now... And you see them making that solo single movie they made. Oh, For some reason, fans <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of fans didn't take the solo. I, I liked it personally. The the side films for Star Wars like Rogue One and Solo and all this stuff, I got into them. I can get into them just fine. Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, and all these stories they're doing. I get into all this, but um, I to say that. Uh, the guy didn't play a good Han Solo was never really fair because they're so used to Harrison Ford being what he is. Right. Right. He's trying to play Harrison Ford, which is not fair. You know, you, you can't you can't play Harrison Ford. He's more playing Harrison Ford than he's playing Han Solo, I thought, in that movie. But <laughs> we went on a long tangent. Back to the movie in a sense here, okay? This happens every show, I'm telling you. I love it, though. Off topic. But this is fun stuff to talk about, though. I mean, you know, uh, the fourth of five movies John Carpenter and Kurt Russell had done together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was Elvis in 79. Says, yes, I haven't seen Elvis. Elvis is like a show, though, like a miniseries. Yeah, right. Escape from New York in 81, The Thing in 82. And then, of course, there was this movie. Now, uh, Russell was hesitant in taking the movie because he had had a few flops already. Mm-hmm. And this is Carpenter uh, reportedly told him that he didn't really care about his flops. He just wanted to make a movie with him. Hmm. So, if that's the case, <laughs> uh, I wonder I wonder how much he changed his tune when he only saw the 11 million ring of yeah. the box. <laughs> well, they took I the mean- loss. He came back for uh, 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 Escape from L.A. But that was in 90... You know what, though? 96. 96. But Escape from L.A., though, everybody's already vested in Snake Plissken. That's true. true. They knew what they were going to get with that. So I I get that. I I, I get that for sure. Um, They mentioned that problems began to arise when John Carpenter learned, you mentioned earlier, the Golden Child. Yep. He learned that Golden Child in 86 featured a similar theme and was going to be released around the same time. As it happened, Carpenter was asked by Paramount Pictures to direct the film. He remarked in an interview, how many adventure pictures dealing with Chinese mysticism have been released by the major studios in the past 20 years? (laughs) For them to come along the exact same time is more than just mere coincidence. So to beat the rival production of being released in theaters, they went into production in October so that it could open in July, five months before The Golden Child, as a Christmas release. <laughs> I think he's insinuating that somebody leaked a little information somewhere. <laughs> and you there's going to be some competition. It's like looking at um, Armageddon versus Deep Impact. But there's so many of those, even this year. Uh, you had Doctor Strange and uh, the Multiverse of Madness. And then you have... Everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, the, you know, this whole multiverse. It happens so often. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. I mean, you know, uh, Volcano and Dante's Peak. Uh, right. You know, you had two different Truman Capote movies in one year. Like, <laughs> you know. The, the way I used to look at it was Armageddon was all action. Mm-hmm. Deep Impact brought you story. Oh, I love Deep Impact. But, oh, you, got it, but, you, but you also got action when the meteor was finally hit. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Uh, and and two of them, I believe, two of them did hit. Yes, I think Deep Impact is definitely the better movie. No, well, one hit. Mm. They just they they flew their shuttle into the other one and it exploded. Mm. That's what happened with the other one. Uh, but Armageddon from beginning to end though was it was action adventure and a little comedy and everything. Um, you mentioned what was the other one we mentioned? Um, oh, Dante's Peak and Volcano. Dante's Peak and Volcano. Dante's Peak, uh, straight action, a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, Volcano had to had to have a build up. Yeah, yeah. Story build up, which was great, I thought. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. then boom, there it went. You got your action yeah. now. So I mean, I, I'm not against stuff like that. The two competing against each other, competition is what makes things great. Exactly. Yeah, one hundred percent. I don't think he should have. If he was actually complaining, I don't think he really should have complained too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to the movie itself, they're 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 inside. They're going back now to get uh, Gracie and to get uh, Malian to rescue them. Finally, they Girl, go they in. Died. They're going in the underground. They 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 slide down the fireman's pole down to the underworld <laughs> that no one knows about except you know Shen, I guess. I know. <laughs> Oh, he's drank something and nobody, you know, he's drank something. He can do things that nobody else can do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What was that thing that popped out of the hole? Yeah, I know. What the hell was that? I love love his reaction to that. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. And then they're going, they're they're sliding down. They slide into a little, what looks like a fish place or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, all kinds yeah. of fish there. They land on it. It's got. That's got to be smelly for one. Then the one dude takes a bite out of the one and offers him a little bit. He's like, "No thanks." <laughs> no thanks. Um, but the big thing at the end there. So we've gotten from the alleyway fight, right? Mm-hmm. And that now we got the big deal at the end of it. They're about to stand off and ready to go. They start screaming. Jack starts screaming. Pop, pop, pop! Shoots the ceiling. Stones come down and knock him out. It looks like for a little bit. <laughs> My favorite part of the movie. <laughs> just, you think he's going to get his moment finally, right? And then he gets knocked out by some fall. It's like Barney Fife. He's like a Barney Fife in the he movie. He is, 100%. I mean, I, only he didn't have bullets in his pocket. <laughs> I love, I love though, that they, they cut to the fight, and then they cut back to him on the ground. Like, still knocked out. <laughs> and he's trying to get up, and the dude's coming after him. The dude's going to come get him now. So he pushes his, his knife up to his bottom of it and lets him, lets him fall right into it. <laughs> then he gets this big, heavy thing on him with the armor. And it's like, oh, <laughs> classic humor. So great. I mean, I just, I mean, you have the, the battle between Egg Oh, yeah. And Lopin was fun to watch. But, <laughs> when he do that part, man, I was like, okay, now this is a bit much, okay? Uh, you, the people listening obviously can't see our hands if we're holding like he was doing it, but you, know, you got a little pan, like, you know, and you can take his little, his little, his little, crystal, his little uh, thing, crystal thing, he's pushing it back toward him, and like, yeah, that's right, we're bad. Both of them just stop all of a sudden. It's like both of them whip out their magic and it's imaginary guys fighting with swords in front of them. Oh. Hmm, boom. And one the big hit together and they exploded and now they're back to what they were before. It's the best. No, I mean. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. It's like my friend Travis, the co-host with me the entire first season, refers to this as the 80s cheese. Ah. He, said they, he said they spread that on thick. Yeah, it's good though. I love it. Keep spreading yeah. it. Keep spreading it. Yeah. But, uh, so we get the end of it there. He's uh, he's got uh, where he's rescued Gracie now. She's uh, she's awake. She don't know where she's at at first, but she knew she was going to get married. He's yeah. like, "What are you doing? I'm supposed to supposed to get married, or you know, something." They start talking. And they then they start making out. Yeah, it's like it goes from being all this action fighting, and, and boom, they're making out. And Just you gotta like have it. He's and got it. lipstick all over him. <laughs> Which is hilarious. And no other film would you do that. No. <laughs> and the hero has lipstick on for his final All fight. over his face. Then they go in the room, and they, they, they find where he's got Malian, and they go there, and then it's, what, it's, 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 it's uh, Lopan and Thunder. Yeah. They've got Malian there, and he sees he's flesh now. Yeah, Master, you and are now he's like, Yeah, now we have to go ahead and, you know, I, I, I guess he's saying they have to go ahead and kill her to... Right. Yeah, make the other one happy now. There's there's two people they had to make yes. happy. Yes. Um. So, Jack Russell comes up. Jack Russell, I did it again. <laughs> Jack Burton. 
Yep. <laughs> he's not a dog for crying out loud. Okay? He's not yapping and jumping 10 feet in the air. Jack Burton comes up with Gracie Law. Then all of a sudden you see Wayne Chi can fly around. But before Wayne Chi comes around, he's like, you know what old Jack Burton does in a time like this? Who? <laughs> Who? Jack Burton. Me. No, so you see Wang Chi. Like, like 15 flips. <laughs> flips in the <laughs> Pop. Old Jack just says, What, what the hell? <laughs> Let's go. So, get a little fight going on. Of course, he, he doesn't want nothing to do with Jack. He wants uh, to go after Wang Chi because yeah. Wang Chi landed a blow on him. He hit him. Yeah. He didn't like that. So he took off after him. That leaves Jack there with Lo Pan. Yep. Immediately throws his knife at him, misses badly. It's a gong, yeah. <laughs> and this, and you're talking about scenes that make the movie. Mm-hmm. He gets the girls behind him. He's like, "Nice knife." Yep. Goodbye, goodbye, Mr. Russell. That's it, Russell again, Mr. Burton. I can't get off Russell, man. I can't get off Russell. Jack Russell. I need to hang this. You know, I need to just hang this gig up and quit. This is my last <laughs> podcast, everybody. I can't get a correct today to save my life. <laughs> this is my last one, I promise. <laughs> um, so he throws a knife at him, and he catches it and slings it back just that fast. Boom, right in the head. Right. And he just sits there. And I don't know if it's like overdramatic, but it's like hands are out like this. Yeah. And he just falls back. Boom. <laughs> but when he does, this first Buddha monk thing statue just cracks and falls yeah. apart yep. and falls into the next one and knocks him over like dominoes so it hits the gong, which yep. goes over and hits the next one in line. <laughs> The other one's down by him, and they're just all down. And he turns around, looks at the girls. They're like in amazement. And he goes, "All the reflexes. reflexes. It's it's perfect. It's perfect. Perfect." The only thing about the whole movie that stood out that I really didn't like too much, and we're at that part now. Okay, is when Thunder comes in, chasing oh. Luigi, and he sees yeah. it. Will Pan is dead. What was the whole point of making him blow up like a hot air balloon? It. I have. Here's what's okay. Here's what's because I've seen this movie so many times. He actually, it's actually foreshadowed that he can do this earlier in the film. Like he like starts to expand early in the film when um right when Jack yeah when he so like I guess it's just a self destruct. I don't know why he would self destruct, but yes. I guess <laughs> he was so that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Why did he self destruct? <laughs> I, I have no clue. I, I don't get it. You know, but that's one of the most like uh you know famous scenes of his like you know face expanding and his body you know getting huge and I mean that scene alone from my childhood that one really stuck out like what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, crazy. Yeah, did you notice early in the movie just to throw another little trivia bit at you here mm-hmm. when he goes into the brothel to try and find Yaya in there where they the the Lords of Death have sold her there right? Yes. Yes. Did you notice that the suit that he was wearing it's the exact same suit that he wore in used cars in 1980? I had no idea. I didn't I know. Either. <laughs> it's, it's little things like that don't stand out to me, you know? I mean, it's, it, it really stands out, the jacket. <laughs> it's really something. You know, but I, I did not, I had no idea that that jacket was a, was a homage or anything to something from else. Uh, yeah. Wow. I learned a lot. I'm glad I came. With, I learned a lot more about one of my favorite movies ever from this. That's really cool. I mean, you know, I this is what I like about IMDb sometimes the things they put on there, the little tidbits you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the studio pressured John Carpenter to cast a rock star in the role of Gracie Law, Jack Burton's love interest, a constant source of aggravation. For Carpenter, there was no question he wanted Kim Cattrall. The studio was not keen on the idea because the only time Control was primarily known for was raunchy comedies like Porky's in 81 and Police Academy in 84. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten about Porky's when I mentioned yeah, I did too. Yeah, I know she was in that. I forgot. Lassie. Did, did, have you seen Porky's? I've seen Porky's, yes. <laughs> uh, you remember Lassie then? She played Lassie, they called yes. her. Yes. Uh, she was drawn to the movie. Uh, and she was drawn to the movie because the way her character was portrayed. She's, I'm not screaming for help the whole time. I think the humor comes out of the situations in my relationship with Jack Burton. I'm the brains and he's the brawn. Hmm. So that's kind of that's that's kind of true in a sense. They worked that they they played together like we said earlier, real well off each other. Yeah. Uh, when they're waiting for him to go into the brothel, and he's like, um, you know, 
you're telling him how to act. Yeah, you got to be this. He was like, yeah. I am. You got to be this. Yeah, uh, you got to look stupid. She goes, he does. He does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Little things that they do like that to get together real well. Um, so we're at the end of the movie where they're basically, they're celebrating. They're back at the restaurant, I guess, again. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, Egg Shen's leaving and Jack's talking to him. Um, you got um, Wayne Chi comes over to pay Jack his money. His Nothing but triple. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it always made me laugh how he couldn't say double or nothing. It was always yeah, no. <laughs> nothing or double. In this case, it was nothing but triple. You earned it. He goes, well, you're right. I did. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> and then and it looks like it's going to be the happy ending between the two. And, He's well, I'm a rich man now. I can settle down, sell the truck, you know, get a little yep. place. And she's like, well, I couldn't have that on my conscience. Maybe we can get to a more rolling apartment, you know, right. a big truck with a little apartment for two in the back and, He's got to get old John Wayne and Macho like, be like, well, I rub people the wrong way every now and then. So maybe mm-hmm. we ought to think about it first. And then he didn't kiss her when he leaves, although it looks like he wants to, but he's too macho for that, right? Too macho. Do it. You can yeah. do it now. I love that ending. I really yeah. love that. I, I mean, like, because it, it plays against conventions. And you see that, like, you know, as, as macho and as tough as he is, he does have a heart. You know, he doesn't want to break her heart. You know, he knows it's not going to work. It's not, you know, with his ex-wives and whatnot. So, like, it's not going to work. And so I love that. Then what follows after with the, like, you know, back on the Porkchop Express with the monster and whatnot. eh, You know, if there's anything I dislike about the film, I think it's that. I think it's that. You know. And then to top it off, you get your hopes up for things, I guess, or whatever. But... Neither girl really had green eyes. No, I know. <laughs> Both of them had brown eyes. They wore contact lenses. <laughs> Seriously, people, cannot we get some realism in this for just I mean, come a on minute? Now. Let us have that. <laughs> Let us have that. But anyway, that, I'm sure there's probably quite a few other little tidbits in there that you could probably find. There might be some more stuff you don't know about it and check into. Uh, if you go to IMDb, include the trivia, but it'll tell you a cut. There's also a place with quotes and stuff, all kinds of little. I'm sure you know about all this already. You write about movies all the time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, great movie overall. Let's go ahead and get your just get your final thoughts on the movie because we're right at the end of the show at this point now. So I, I want to know anything that you might want to say you haven't said yet, or just you know just just your all your absolute final thoughts on the movie. I mean. I- Big Trouble in Little China. My favorite movie of all time is probably Apocalypse Now. But Big Trouble in Little China is always going to have the spot in my heart. I mean, I love Apocalypse Now, but Big Trouble is just the best. There's everything about it. It reminds me so much of my childhood. It also reminds me of how a film, you can appreciate a film a lot more when you see it from two different sides of your life. And so that's what Big Trouble in Little China is for me. And it's always going to be special. Again, my... My daughter's middle name is Gracie, so it's a part of me, and I, it's one of my favorites. And I really thank you for having led me on here to uh, talk about one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, it was—it's been a great pleasure for me too, man. I mean, there's not a lot of people that have such a strong feeling for a certain movie, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or if they are, I haven't found them all just yet. Mm-hmm. I know a couple of people that could talk about a certain movie all day long, and that's fine. I'm, I'm right there with them. And as far as picking out a favorite movie of all time, I can't narrow one down for me, man. I just loved to watch a good movie or a TV series. I mean, I loved the last, back from the 80s, I mean, like I told you, I loved The Goonies. I loved The Last Starfighter. I loved Big Trouble in Little China and The Last Dragon, The American Ninja. All these different things was so good for me. And as I just can't narrow it down to one. It's like picking your favorite song of all time. Can you really pick a favorite song? one just one song that you would take forever and not have anything else to listen to i just don't know about that <laughs> it's hard it's hard but it is one of my this is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time it's definitely one of them and like we said earlier i am holding out more hope that they don't try to remake it please don't <laughs> i just don't know you know that it could that it can be done any justice to so yeah. Yeah, you can. Uh, if you will, put out there for everybody one more time uh, where they can find your articles and everything. Uh, I'm sure if people listen to you talk here about this. 
they've got to want to hear you writing and talking about other things. I will tell you, I I, I did read your one about the slashers, the the movies, uh, Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween. Nice. We're in, to we're in total agreement. I'm All not, right. I'm not, I'm not gonna give away. I'm not gonna give away what we said. You got to go listen. You got to go read it yourselves. Okay. Go read it yourselves. But I'm in total agreement with what you said on it. It just makes complete sense. Yeah. And it's, uh, one of my all-time favorites too. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, yeah. Rich Knight, you can find me again on Cinema Blend. Uh, I write every week. You'll find my articles there, and uh, it's just been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Chris, for all your time, and thank you for much for uh, anyone listening. Uh, thank you. Absolutely, and you guys all know where to find me. I listen to me here. On, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're at Amazon, we're at iHeartRadio, we're hosted on Anchor.fm. If you uh, guys would do us a huge favor, and when you go listen, leave a rating and a review. It helps a ton in the ratings out there and the algorithms for such. It makes a big difference. So if you got time, leave me a rating and a review for the show. And if you're not following yet, absolutely follow. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach me on Instagram at RetroLife, the number four, Y-O-U. Same thing for uh, email, RetroLife, number four, Y-O-U at gmail.com. I do respond to things. If you have any ideas you want to see on the show or your thoughts on the show today, let me hear it. Let me know. I definitely would love to hear it. So, one more time, Rich, thank you again for coming on, and we will see the rest of you guys next week. Have a good one. Take care.